to go to the book of Galatians. And we're in chapter 4. Now, Tony showed me on the phone, her phone, this, I don't know where she got it. The guy that started Hamas, founded Hamas, he put out a call, worldwide call, for worldwide jihad. That's the Muslims' call to a holy war. So, don't be surprised if anything happens. Because those, those, well, they're just doing what the religion call, tells them to do. All the news media call them extremists. They're not extremists. They're just doing what their religion says to do. And that's why they need to be wiped out. Anyway, Galatians chapter 4. Now remember, Paul is a Jew. He's a child of God, but he's a spiritual Jew now. Became that, this is the way Abraham did. And he's writing to all, probably all Gentiles. So this is not something that you can say, oh, that's just for the Jews. And you don't have much like that in the New Testament anyway. He says, now I say, now he's speaking to the church members of the churches in Galatia of Asia Minor. I don't know how many churches there were, but there were multiple churches in Galatia. Now I say that the heir, an heir is one that inherits what their benefactor leaves them. The heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. So here is a, a rich man with a big estate, business, whatever. And here is his child. Though he is little L Lord in line for it, Yet he doesn't have it yet. So he doesn't differ much from a servant. All right. Paul is applying that to the believers. All right. But he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Now whether it's going to have to be the father dies or just a certain age, then he gives them their inheritance, whatever it be. Uh, but until then, he's a child, he's under tutors and governors. A governor's one that watches a kid like a babysitter, and a tutor's one that teaches them. Well, you take like a little prince in a palace, he has tutors, or she, they have tutors and governors, people that watch them. Uh, same thing here. Even so, we, when we were children, 
were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, I don't think when he's saying children, I don't think he means necessarily two, three, four, five, and six years old. I think he means children under the elements of this world. When you're saved, Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, well, when you're saved, everything you've learned has been either the wrong motive or the wrong thing. And you've got to be retaught by the word of God. And that's why we have a major problem with growing in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. When we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. The base things of this world. And you listen to people's conversation. If they're not talking the word of God, and not many people do. But their conversation is not godly talk. It's about the elements of this world. So, but when, we, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Very important verse. He didn't just say when the fullness of time was come. He said in the fullness of the time. That's definite article. The specific time. It's not just any time. The fullness of the time. What was that time? That was God's predestinated time. And the fullness of that time. Well, the fullness of it means we ain't got two minutes left. It's right there it's in the fullness of the time. It's not getting close. We talk about the second coming of the Lord. We believe it's close. But it won't, the fullness of that time won't be till he splits the eastern side, the sky and comes. Then that'll be the fullness of that time. Well, the fullness of this time that Christ was to come, when that time came, God sent forth his son. We're talking about the incarnation of Christ. A lot of people have lots of things to say about that that try to destroy the truth of that. But God sent forth his son. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God sent forth his son, the second person of the triune Godhead. I don't understand all of that. I believe it, but I don't understand it. It's way past my job description. I can't, can't fathom all that. But was anybody trying to stop that? Listen, the efforts to stop that began all the way back at the Garden of Eden. Or right after the Garden of Eden when Cain slaughtered his brother Abel 
That's what that was all about. Abel was the righteous son. Cain, he was not righteous. He didn't, he, he, he wasn't a child of God. He was being led of Satan and doing what his father said, who was a murderer from the beginning. And he slaughtered his brother, Abel. As far as Satan was concerned, that stopped the godly line that this would never happen. The fullness of this time would have never come if that's what Cain had accomplished, if he destroyed the godly line. But God raised up Abel. So how do you thwart the will of God? You can't. The will of God cannot be thwarted. Uh, you may not understand or know or see all of what God does to accomplish his will. Ezekiel, the first chapter, when God was calling Ezekiel, the first thing he taught Ezekiel was his sovereignty. And he showed Ezekiel a, an image, a wheel within a wheel, kind of like a gyroscope, similar. But this wheel was so high that the Bible says it was dreadful. You see something so high, it's scary. And you see some of those skyscrapers, a hundred stories tall, and you stand down there looking up, it's scary. And these, this wheel was so high, it was dreadful. Full of eyes. This one, full of eyes. And it began to roll. And nothing could stop it. It didn't necessarily destroy in its path, but it would roll and it would hit that wall and then it would go this way. Then go somewhere else and go back that way. It couldn't be stopped. Well, now, in Moses' day, what happened to Moses as a baby? Pharaoh said, kill all them boy babies. He wasn't even waiting, doing it in the womb. He was waiting to came out of the womb. Well, if he had done that, accomplished that, there's a godly line through Moses stopped. But there's the will of God. And he raised up a woman. To save Moses from certain death. And it just so happens it was Pharaoh's daughter. And then he already had another woman that he sent that daughter to that said, if you'll be a nanny and raise this child, I'll pay you well. 
And so Moses' mama said, oh, yes, I'd love to have the job. What mother wouldn't like to have that job? That in her mind, she just lost her baby. She's going to lose it one way or another. Now she's got the high-paying job to raise her baby. Thus, Satan didn't destroy the line. Come on, 1,500 more years. Why did Joseph and Mary have to take Jesus down to Egypt? Because Herod said, kill all them boy babies. But he didn't get the job done, did he? So here, here's the godly line, Jesus. And it was right in the fullness of the time. Right on time. What's that song you sing, Beverly Ann? Three days, four days late and right on time? Yeah. I was talking about him this morning. Uh, Lazarus and Jesus. He said if, you could, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. You don't understand. The reason Jesus wasn't here is so he would die. So he could show the power of God. Uh, but he's right on time. Four days late and right on time. Right in the nick of time. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And here comes Lazarus. Right on time. He said, well, people have been saying, everybody hollering, you know, the uh Tribulation and the wrath of God and Jesus is coming and, and the red heifer and everything else about all this. Well, I don't know. I'm not looking for a red heifer. The Jews might be. I'm not. My red heifer is Christ. I'm not looking for another Passover. Jesus, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. We're not looking for all that. And a temple being built in Jerusalem. I think there's going to be one. But there's going to be a lot of bloodshed before it's built. I'll tell you that. So how can we tell when Jesus is coming? Just be ready. No man knows our or the day. Does all this mean is getting going? Sure. Absolutely. It's, it's closer than it ever was. Logically, it has to be closer than it ever was. Because time has passed. So, but let me assure you, when Jesus does come, it won't be one second late. He will be right on time. And here when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. When a God's son Doesn't John say something about only begotten? Amen. Jesus is his only begotten son. So he sent forth his son in the fullness of time. You're talking incarnation. You're talking about, that's why we call him Manuel, because that means God in the flesh.
made of a woman. Now this is a phenomenal thing. We're talking about the pre-existing eternal Son of God being sent forth made of a woman. He came the same way in the womb of Mary that we all came in the womb of our mother. You know there's not a human being that never came that way. It just didn't. You wasn't hatched out of an egg. You're not a mammal. You're not a snake. You're not a, a monkey. We all came the same way. But Jesus, the Son of God, came the same. The only thing different is that his Father was God Almighty. Made of a woman, human flesh. Is Jesus Christ truly a man? Absolutely. It's amazing how many so-called preachers say he wasn't a man like us. And boy, if that's true, we don't have a Savior. Because he's not kin to us. And to have a Savior, we've got to have one that is kin to us. And this is Jesus. And... Something else. He was made under the law. Now, there it is up there on the board. That's the law. You got preachers today saying, oh, we're under grace. We don't have to worry about that. Really? Let's see. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Are you as a child of God free to commit idolatry? Have another God? I'm certainly not. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or likeness of anything. Can we fill our homes with idols and bow down to them? I'm under grace. I'm not under law, but I can't violate that. <coughs> Go down the list. Murder. Boy, how much murdering is going on in our world today. Can you, can you fathom that? Now first, you can't start with jihad. You can't start with Hamas. You have to start with Andy Bashir and Joe Biden and all of those politicians and the, the abortion clinics because there is no question. I put it up on Facebook not long ago. Abortion is murder. There are no other considerations. I say, well, what about rape and incest? If a woman's been raped and a child has been conceived in her womb, there's a human life. And I don't care what your excuse is. If you kill that, you've just murdered a human being. I don't care what the excuse is. 
Now, military and protecting, fighting for the country and all that, that's not murder. Police and the function of their job, that's not murder. You protecting your family and yourself, that's not murder. That's justified killing. The, the commandment says, thou shalt do no murder. However, think of this. You remember when David is told by the prophet, when Gad? Nathan? Huh? Was it Nathan? David, yeah. Uh, he told him the, the story about the rich man had company coming and he had a poor man working for him that had one, one lamb and the rich man took the poor man's lamb and killed it for a feast for his people and David got mad and said let's kill him no David you went way too far on that one besides that thou art the man so, so, well, he steals my stuff. I'm going to kill him. That's way wrong. God doesn't tell you you can murder somebody for stealing something you got. So whatever your excuse, if it's not military and war, police and police work, self-defense, Protection of your family. You don't have a right because somebody cuts you off to get out and blow their brains out. That's murder. Thou shalt do no murder. Are we free to break that law? Not at all. Steal and all, go through every one of them. We are not free to break the Ten Commandments. I don't know why these guys want to get rid of the Ten Commandments. That's what sin is. The transgression of the law. Jesus was made under the law. Just like we were. So, well, I'm under Jew. Yeah, but we were under the law. We were under the curse of the law. And the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's the curse of the law. Because we can't keep the law. We don't, we can't. But Jesus was made under the law. In order to redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Now again, this does not apply to everybody in the world. It only applies to those whom it applies to. That he might redeem. The word redeem. Ex agarazo. Buy back. Buy back. To redeem us means he paid the price. For whom did he pay the price? For all of his people. That we might receive the adoption of sons. 
The only way we can become a child of God is through the process of adoption. You read in Ephesians, find out we were those. We had no nation. We had no bloodline. We were wild heathen. And the only way we could become a child of God is by adoption. And that was through the process of Jesus Christ coming as a human being, under the law, fulfilling the law, every jot and tittle, and then to go to the cross and pay the sin debt for all of his people. We might receive the adoption of sons. So I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king. I've been adopted. Now any child that's been adopted, they need to understand they don't need to feel sorry for themselves. To be adopted means that somebody wanted you after meeting you. Now, I think my mother and daddy loved me. I'm sure they did. But they didn't know me I was nine months old before they ever saw me. Weren't you? And they accepted me after I was born. But they had to get used to me. Would you go to an orphan's home to look for a baby, a child to adopt? You find one you want, you want that child. That child is a recipient of purposeful love. Well, that's true here too. According as he has chosen us in him from the foundation of the world, that we should be holding without blame before him in love. Now, why did God choose me? Why did he choose you? I don't know. I, I can't know this side of eternity. don't know that I know the other side of eternity. Uh, was that song that old Chris Christopherson sang? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done? Well, that's pretty good theology there. I don't know why God chose me. I ain't no different from everybody else. Why did he choose me? Why did he choose you if you've been chosen? So he says, now, we received the adoption of sons, and because you all are sons. Now he's not eliminating daughters here. You just can't put everything in every, in every sentence. Uh, so girls, you can put yourselves in there if you're a daughter. Your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. I think that's the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit is there, he teaches you something. He makes you say something. I think the first words that a baby ever says are, Abba. It's hard to be there to hear that. But I think that's the first words that a child ever utters. 
especially one that's been loved. It's an Aramaic word, Abba. Well, Aramaic language was pretty widespread. There's some evidence Jesus spoke Aramaic. And it's, it's kin to Hebrew, but it's not Hebrew, different language. The Aramaeans were Syrians. Went way back 900 B.C., that Aramaic language. But it had spread the Syrians. That's who were the Aramaeans. You ever hear of the Aramaeans? If you ever do, they were Syrians, but they go back a long time. There's a few people in the world that still speak Aramaic. Somebody said, uh, the, mixed up Aramaic with the people. No, they're Aramaeans. They speak Aramaic. They spoke Aramaic. This word is Aramaic, they say. Look back at Mark 14. Huh? 36 verse. I can't hear you. 36 verse. 26? 30. 36. 36. 36. Yeah. Yeah, 36. Yeah. I've got it marked. Just uh, ask me how I'm doing. Well, I can't see. I can't hear. I can't walk. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Abba, Father. That's where he says it. And then there's one reference in Romans 8. Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Probably what that Abba means, my Father. Even a baby. Now, if, they've been, if they have been mistreated, of course, the way the Muslims are treating those babies over there, cutting their heads off and setting them on fire, you can't say those, those babies are engulfed by love. But a baby that's been born into a mama and daddy in a home that loves it, it feels acceptance. Am I telling the truth? You that have raised babies, they, they, they know, and they know this is my father. My mother, Abba, Father, my, my, that's mine, that's acceptance. Now that's the norm, it ought to be, but for a lot it's not. But that's what that word no doubt means. And when Jesus said that, he said that of the Heavenly Father, Abba, Father. So that's pretty precious right there. 
Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Man, have we been elevated. Howbeit then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. He's talking about idols, false doctrine, false gods. But now, after that you have known God, or, he says, rather. <laughs> it's hard to put all of your doctrine in everything you say. But we must attempt to do that, and that's what Paul's doing. Paul straightens himself out here. He says, after that ye have known God, or rather, are known of God. There, there it is. You can't get away from the doctrines of grace with Paul, can you? He won't let you get far from them. How turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. He's talking about going back to Judaism, going back to idolatry, and all of the bad stuff. What are you doing? And here's what he says as a result of that. You observe days and months and times and years. Now, what are you doing with all of that stuff? Days, weeks, times, years. Just like the Jews do and the heathen do. They do it now too, don't they? Getting ready for a big one. Why are you doing that? He says, look, I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of you and I'm afraid for you. Lest I bestowed upon you labor in vain. I've worked with you. I've taught you. I continually teach you. He said back over uh, in chapter 3. He said, I've play carded Christ and the gospel before you. I put it on billboards and signs and waved it in front of you. That's how much preaching I've done and teaching I've done to you. And you don't learn. Now here you're going back in to all of this stuff that God saved you out of. He said, I'm afraid of you. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. For I am as you are, if you're not injured me at all. You know how through infirmity of the flesh, I preach the gospel unto you at, first, at the first infirmity of the flesh. Look what he's gone through to preach the gospel to them. They knew what he went through. Maybe not to the nth degree, but they knew what he went through. And he went through some rough times to preach the gospel to them. He says, In my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despise not nor reject it, but receive me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. That You started out right. Whereas then the blessing that you spake of, for I bear you record, that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. They loved him at first, now they're turned against him. 
My, my dad's uh, sister, she went blind when she was 17 years old. And my dad tried to give her one of his eyes. But back then, I don't know, uh, she was 90 or something when she died. So I don't know, way back in the 30, 20s or 30s, I guess. Uh, she was 17, so I don't know. Uh, how old she, she was 17, boy, what year it was. But they couldn't transplant an eye back then because her nerves were dead. They may not have been able to do it today, but her nerves died. I don't know, disease, something caused it to kill her eyes. But my dad tried to give her one of his eyes. Paul said, you would have done that for me if I'd have needed it. That's how much you thought of me. But now he says, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Derek has been talking about that verse <laughs> up there where he's preaching, telling, preaching what he's preaching. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Well, the truth of the matter is that you do become enemies of people. Some people, when you tell them the truth, they hate you for it. Even if it's the truth, they hate you for it. But if they were right, they would love you for it if you're telling them the truth. The ones you ought to despise and hate are those who tell you lies. I've heard people say about politicians, well, if they don't lie, they can't get elected. It's okay for them to lie. They have to do that to get elected. No, it's not okay. That's one of the top ten. I'll tell you the truth. Anyway, we'll take this up next.